Good morning. Everybody good? It's a great day to be in the house, to receive from the Word of God. Man, we're grateful for God and how awesome that He is in our lives. Amen? This morning, we have a new series that is starting, as she said, entitled, From the Cradle to the Grave. Today and the next three Sundays after that, isn't that right? Three? Yes. Till Easter? After today, it's three, yes. Um, we're just, we're leading up to Easter time, but, you know, there, there's, there's a number of different things that I think it's important to be aware of. You know, Easter and, and this time, this resurrection time is all about um, the resurrection of Jesus, and this is a great time for the church, I believe. There's a lot of there's a lot of people on planet Earth today that are interested in understanding about Christianity, and, and we have a responsibility to be Christ-like in helping people to understand, not, you know, forcing things on people and not, you know, being, having attitude toward other people. I mean, there's been a lot of that in the church. I've been a part of the Church of Jesus Christ for 37 years. I was two when I got saved, and um, now for, for 37 years I've been part of the kingdom, and um, you know, I, I'm talking about the church that I'm a part of, you know, we've done some stupid things to humanity, you know, the church has been belligerent at times, the church has been, you know, had this attitude toward people that are not born again like they're a bunch of idiots, you know, and uh, that, that's, that's not Christ-like. The Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads people to a place of repentance and a desire to want to know more, you know, when you handle people that way. I mean, you know, sometimes there are people that need things in a real direct way, but only the Holy Spirit knows that. That's why we've got to be connected to the person of the Holy Spirit. He's our helper, and He will help you have a good attitude, and He'll help you to focus and, 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 and be able to deliver certain things to people that they need because, you know, number one, all of humanity was created in the image of God whether they're born again or not. And we have a responsibility to handle people the way God wants us to handle people. And so during this time, there are a lot of people that in the back of their minds are saying, what if that's, what if that's true? What if this Jesus stuff is true? What if this resurrection stuff is true? What if you know, this born-again stuff is real and it's true. What, what if? What if it is really that way? And so we, we want to answer the what-ifs for people in a really good way. And I'm telling you, God is the answer to everything. Can you say amen to that? So the title of my message today has to do with the beginnings of, the, and, and this whole month leading up to the, the first Sunday in, in uh, April, talking about what led to the resurrection. Had there not been a cradle, had there not been a manger, had there not been a conception and, and, and a birth into the earth of who Jesus was, if that hadn't happened, then there wouldn't have been a, a life and there wouldn't have been a, a, a crucifixion and there wouldn't have been a grave and there wouldn't have been a resurrection and there wouldn't be life that you and I would be living now. In fact, I'm going to say something to you that you need to take this and think about this. And I, I've, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say this. Becky, you can tell me if you think you've heard somebody say this before. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say this, not that it's not been said. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm the originator of a lot of things, you know. <laughs> but um, um, I, mean, I don't think I've ever heard anybody ever say this before. But I think that... We'll let that phone stop. <clears throat> um, I think that had Jesus not chosen to endure the cross, I'm not sure that, or I, or I believe, I'm beginning to, to believe and think that there's a good possibility that all of humanity would have been annihilated. 
I think that's true. Somebody's thing is happening. There we go. <laughs> um, I'm going to say this again. Just don't, you know, stuff happens. Just don't. It's no big deal. Just think about this. I think, well, you know, there's certain things that you won't find out till you get to heaven. And don't try to answer stuff and focus on something and make it, you know, more important than it is. What matters is are you developing faith in God? That's what really matters, okay? But I think this could be true. That had Jesus not made the choice to endure the cross for you and I, that humanity would have been annihilated. And that possibly God would have started over. Possibly. Think about that. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get towards the crucifixion. Amen? But that's how important that that decision that he made was. He had to make that decision. Well, you know, he was the son of God and he was going to... No, 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 no. No, he was all man because the only access that God had back into the earth because of the way he set it up was through man. And it had to happen this way. And for 4,000 years after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God's whole plan was set up for redemption. His whole plan was to redeem mankind back to himself. So Jesus, you know, you think, you know, why, why didn't Jesus just be born? Why didn't he just be born and, you know, some wolf or something come and eat him up and then he'd be dead and then it'd be over with. I mean, why, why spend 33 years on the earth having to go through everything that he went through, three years of ministry and all that kind of stuff, why don't, why don't we just hurry up and just get it over with? Because, because there was a plan. And the plan was for a person who was all God become all man and make the choice that he made. And that's what we're talking about today. How vital, how vitally important that the cradle was, that the manger was, that the decisions that were made, the decision that Mary made. Lord, I don't understand this, but according to your word, let it be so. For no word from God will ever fail, ever, ever. No word from God. And I'm telling you today, folks, People need you to believe that. People need you to believe that no word from God will ever fail, ever, ever, ever. If God's word is true, and it is, and not if God's word is true, God's word is true. And that's up to you to decide whether that's right or not. But God's word is true, and people need you to believe that. They need you to believe it. So, start with me in just a few verses of Scripture that I have today. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm going to give you the subtitle of my message today. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 <clears throat> and verse 1. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. And <clears throat> the title of my message today is, Jesus was born to die. He was born for one purpose, and that was to die. And he died a death. He was separated from God. He died a death that no human being has ever died. And the fact that he died the death has now empowered you and I to be able to live. You were born for a purpose and for a reason. He was born to die for you. And what has to happen with you and I is that we have to really come to a place where we believe. 
You know, it's not just this common thread that, well, you know, Jesus died for everybody and all. You know, we're all lumped into one, you know, big pot. No, he died for you. For you. He died for you like if you were the only one that there was to redeem. He died for you. That's how special you are. It's how unique you are. And that's how much that God loves you. And we've got to understand that. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He so loved you. And, and, and where the, world, the word world is, is, if you have a Bible that you can write in, or you have an electronic Bible that you can underline and color, you need, to, you need to write in your Bible and put your name where world is. God so loved Bert Wimberley that he gave the best of heaven just for me. Amen? Because if we don't, if we don't really believe that, if we don't really embrace that, I'm, I'm talking about just, I mean, bringing it close to us. I mean, for years, for years, I heard people say, and I would preach it. You've heard me preach this before probably many times about how important it is that, you know, the great commandments, you know, the, 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 the great commission is to make disciples, but the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. I mean, that's part of what we have seen established around here for the last number of years. That's how you make disciples. But over the last few years, as you've heard me say this, my understanding on that is, is, is really more about me understanding how much God loves me. Because the truth is, I really can't love you with the love of God if I don't know how much God loves me. Really. God so loved that He gave. No human being on the planet understands that. Because how many of you are willing to give your first child for someone else that doesn't even deserve it. He was born to die for you. Amen? That's it. Bar none. And, and you can be, you, you, you and I, we can be in the church for a long period of time. We can live in the church and exist in the church. And we can know that in our head. But to experientially really embrace that and to know it and to understand it is vital. It's vital that we know this and, and we learn to allow this to be established in us. We've got to know that we're that important. And there's times you've got to take in your walk with God where you're focusing on, on that fact. And, you know, that it may appear that you're being kind of selfish to get that revelation. But whatever it takes, you've got to get it. You and I have got to get, we've got to get that revelation. We've got to see it established in our lives because other people's lives are weighing in the balance. You know, you can't give yourself to other people. You can't be concerned about other people without understanding the love that God has for you. Because when I know how much God loves me, and the more I understand that today, I don't have a care in the world. I mean, in the natural, there's all kinds of things I could care about, but why would you care about something that you can't do anything about when you know there's another one that can care about it a whole lot better and take care of it and see the need met? Why would I, why would I worry about that? But we do because we're more in fear of people and more in fear of what other people can do and, and what they do in our lives than we are in fearing and reverencing God and acknowledging the fact that he's really in control of what's happening in my life if I allow him to be. And we got to believe that. I'm telling you, we got to believe it. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to do what? To redeem me. See, see, 
one of the things in the church world that I, since I've been born again, that I was so encouraged to do and to be aware of was the fact that other people were out there going to hell. And so I had to live my life focusing and thinking about other people. How many know that's what we're called to do, right? But you can't effectively think about other people, and this is where the church has had such issues. The body of Christ has had such issues because when you're going after people and your heart is full of jealousy, when your heart is full of unforgiveness, when it's full of competitiveness and attitude toward other people, you're going to go after other people and they might get born again, but then it's very difficult to bring people into a world of selfishness and, and unforgiveness and competitiveness and bitterness and, and, and things in our lives that have not been worked out. It's, it's hard to bring people into our worlds because all of a sudden somebody gets born again and what if they take off in the church world and they become more and more, you know, on top of things and you're not there yet, I mean, then you get jealous of the fact that they're increasing. I mean, you brought them into the kingdom, you prayed with them and you led them in, but, but then you can't grow together because of all the crap that you got in you. And then we divide in the church and we split and we do all kinds of weird, crazy things because we don't really believe how much God loves us. Because I'm telling you today, man, when you believe how much God loves you, you can so rejoice on the good of other people and your life doesn't have to be about what's not working with you because if something's not manifested, you know what? Jesus didn't come until the fullness of time. I mean, if I was God and Adam and Eve would have done what they've done, I mean, in about two weeks, we'd have had that plan set up. That is 4,000 years later. What the heck? Was God thinking? Why do we have to go through all this stuff? Because there was a plan. There was a way to do it. And God couldn't just step in and override situations. He couldn't just step in and make certain things happen because He didn't have the authority. He gave authority to man. Man gave it to somebody other than God, and now God is limited because of His Word. Well, God can do anything, yeah, but he'll, He's true to His Word. He can't lie. If He said something, if He gave authority to man, notice in 4,000 years, He never took that authority back. So what He did through Jesus Christ was through another avenue, He redeemed man back to Himself, right? And the authority that He had given Him, it got shifted back to man, and now we've got to embrace it. We've got to understand that we're the righteousness of God in Christ, and nothing can take that away from us. And we've got to embrace that what he did and what the birth of Jesus Christ started was absolutely accomplished because of the choice of Jesus Christ. And the fullness of time had come. It says in verse 5, when the fullness of time had come, he redeemed those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now we're adopted sons and daughters of God. We have every right in God's kingdom that any other human being has ever had on planet earth. We have the right to God's kingdom and all the authority that is attached to it. Say, I'm redeemed. Man, he redeemed us. It's done. It's finished. It's accomplished. Can you say amen? In Genesis 3, and I'm just going to read this one verse. Well, I'll probably read three, but verse 15 says, and this is after Adam and Eve received the lies of the enemy and partook of the fruit and of, from the tree that God said not to. In verse 15, it says, of Genesis 3, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed. And he's, God's telling Satan this. And her, uh, between you and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his feet. There would be enmity between the woman's seed, and that seed is Jesus. And, and what she did, what Mary did in accepting the angel, the report of the angel, and allowing 
as a virgin, her womb to be, to be impregnated, and she received the impregnation of the Holy Spirit of God Himself in her womb so that God's only Son would be birthed into the earth. In, in establishing that, it was all about what Galatians said, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, God redeemed mankind back to Himself. Listen, this whole thing about Christianity is about relationship between God and the human beings that He created. It's all about God and the humans that He created. He created us. He created us to be one with Him, to be connected with Him. That's what He created us for. And today I'm just saying to you that who you are and how special that you are and how, how connected that you are to God is so vitally important that you embrace that so that that is that so that you become established in that revelation now stay with me and follow me here first john chapter 4 and verse 9 In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. So this this redemption for you and I is so that you and I could live through Him, that we could be alive in Him, that we could make a difference in Him, that heaven could be manifested in the earth through us, Heaven is people aren't going to see heaven just in the clouds somewhere. People are going to see heaven because of heaven manifested in you. When you realize what he's done and how much that he loves you and 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 how right that you are because of him, what it does is it makes you want to do more right things. It doesn't make us want to go do wrong things. We don't want to use as an excuse to do wrong because of what Jesus paid for. The more you understand that whole process and what He went through for us, you want to live your life to do right. And the more we become established in righteousness and who we are and what He accomplished for us and the choice that He made for us, the more that other people around us can be benefited. Because, as I was saying earlier, You come into the kingdom and you help other people come into the kingdom. As you're established in who you are and you're secure in the love that God has for you, you can help other people advance. And I'll just tell you this. There's a promise in Scripture in Ephesians 6, and I think it's verse 8. And it says, every good thing that you do for someone else, God makes sure that you'll be rewarded. Because no seed from God will ever go unnoticed. Every good thing you do for someone else, you will receive back from God. Amen? Everything. So see, we get to practice not being threatened by the successes of other people that come into the kingdom. And I tell you, you know, I'm not just saying that just to say it. It's really important. Because a lot of things get fouled up in the kingdom of God because people can't have relationships. That's been something in the last two years at Gates that we've put a lot of emphasis on is about establishing relationships between one another and not just gravitating toward people that think like you. It's a good thing to be challenged in relationships with people that don't think everything like you because there's things that you have that can benefit them and vice versa. We need each other that way. We need intimacy and relationship you know, and, and friendships with one another. And, and, and it's vital that, that, that we develop those relationships as we're practicing righteousness within ourselves. Again, you're not going to be good for someone else when you're not good yourself. When you're not healthy yourself, when you're not established yourself, you're not going to have anything to develop relationship with people. And that's why so many people shy away. We live in a society of technology that it's very easy to have absolutely zero one-on-one contact with people. Because of phones and computers and all those kind of things, it's very easy to have no one-on-one connection. Even 50 years ago, 
Even, even up to 50 years ago, very few people even had TVs in their houses. The majority of people did not have even televisions in their house. And so what did people do? They talked. They developed relationships. And how much more should we be developing relationships with people with the revelation that we have? I tell you, 50 years ago, planet Earth didn't have the revelation of Jesus that we have today. Man, the revelation is flowing. We have no excuse, and we have to develop it. And what Jesus, what, what happened, what happened from the cradle produced not only the crucifixion, but the resurrection and the ascension and the completion. And over these next few weeks, that's what we're reminded of. How vitally important in the fullness of time, God sent his son at the right time. And he was born to die. (laughs) Born to die with a purpose. And he chose. God, if there be some other way than me having to deal with what I'm fixing to go through, let that happen. But not my will, but yours be accomplished. And you know what? I can say today, um, I can say today that that's what I want. God, not my will, not what's easiest for me, but what's better for others. In the fullness of time, there's a time and a season for everything under heaven, everything. I, I, I was in the prayer meeting this morning, I, I just shared this, just something that happened I was out of town for a few days and something happened while I was out of town. But 25 years ago, I heard of, I'm not going to give you much information on this because it really didn't matter about the information, but just the story is impacting. 25 years ago, I heard of a person. About the time that we moved to Kerrville, I heard of this person, this guy. And um, I heard his name. And over the last 25 years, this guy has been married, and he has two sons that are oldest is about 12, I think, or 13. And through the years, I missed every opportunity. He's associated with some, somebody in my family, this person, just, just real distantly associated. But I've heard this guy's name, and for 25 years, I've just missed meeting him (laughs) maybe 25 times in 25 years I don't know how many times but I just missed him or I was in town and he you know after a while I got to thinking maybe he didn't even want to meet me you know but for 25 years that happened and when I went to connect with some family over the last couple of days over a situation um I knew, I knew I was gonna, uh, that there was going to be a connection with this guy. And there was. And God spoke to me that, that for such a time as this, was that guy created to connect with my family. And 10 years ago, it wouldn't have been right. He wouldn't have even accepted us. But today, he's at a place. He's a good father. He's married. His marriage has stayed together. Doesn't know God for nothing. But yesterday, there was a connection. And that connection is going to produce salvation. Why? Because, number one, of the cradle. Because of the manger, because of the fact that Mary said, so be it, according to his word. And she was impregnated by the Holy Ghost, and the whole process started. Man. Hmm? And so today, we don't have to be frustrated about if something hasn't manifested yet. See, a day's a thousand years, so God's not in a hurry. But what we can know by the Holy Spirit is when the time is coming. While I was driving out of town, I knew the time was for this guy. 
And those are the kind of things that God shows us and reveals to us all the time. It's time for something. So is it time for you and things that you're believing God for? Only well, the Holy Spirit knows. But if you keep developing righteousness and understanding and who you are in God and continue to stay connected to the purpose and plan that God has in the earth that Jesus started for you and I, Jesus didn't come to the earth to show the world that he was the son of God. He already was. He came to the earth to become our elder brother so that we could walk in his footsteps and operate in the same thing that he operated and carry the work out. And that's what we're here to do. In the fullness of time, the one reason that he was born came to pass. Man, that's a God. That's the intricate God that we serve, but yet a God that is so simple and so real that he, all he wants, all this thing is about is his relationship with you and him. And for you to know how much he loves you and how much he's forgiven you and how much he's delivered you and how much he set you free and how much he's there for you to receive everything that he has but for you to do what he says. That's what this love relationship is about. Then there's no confusion, there's no miscommunications. He says, we do, and it, does, and it accomplishes things just like it did in Jesus' life. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in Burt Wimberley. How about you? Amen? And the things that he did, I'll do, and even greater works. Why? Because he's gone to the Father. And because there was really a cradle. Amen? Gosh! How exciting. Huh? Man, how exciting. Nothing is bigger than God. And no word from God, if you've had a word from God, no word from God will ever fail. Luke 1.37 in the, what is it? NIV. No word from God will ever fail. Ever. Never. If he said it, whether you believe it or not, it comes to pass. But whether it comes to pass in my life or not is whether I choose to do the work and everything it takes to believe it. That's my part. I just have to believe what he says is so. Because his word will never fail. Ephesians 1. I only have 40 other scriptures and I'm done. Ephesians 1. I can hear people saying, is he serious? 40 scriptures? Lord. 1. Ephesians 1. And verse 7. Gosh, I love this verse. I like to just read just the first part of this word, verse and just remind myself of this. In him, I always make it personal, in him I have redemption. In him I've been redeemed. There's a, there's a song on the radio. Who, who, who sings that song? I am redeemed. What is, who, who is it? Big Daddy Way, that's what it is. I am redeemed. Ah, oh, forget it. <laughs> Wrong key. <clears throat> but the next time you hear it, think of it. You're redeemed. You're redeemed how? Through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. Man, and how are his riches limited? Absolutely not. There's no limitation to the riches of his grace and his glory. I mean, I mean, there's not anything that won't be accomplished if we embrace the fact that he really is in this thing for me. And I don't let condemnation and past stuff and things of the past try to dictate my future. Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting the past, pressing toward the mark, the future, and everything that God has. See, today is the day that the Lord has made, and we got to rejoice today and be glad in it so that we can rejoice tomorrow and be glad in it, and next week, and next month, and next year. He's already made all those days. They're already prepared. They're already waiting for us, and so every day we wake up, the mercy and the grace, are they're waiting for us, saying, hey, let's go. Let's do this thing, Right? 
Let, let's move. I mean, and, and I, I, re, I mean, he's really there, and you can really hear him. And, and all right, let's get out of bed. We're not going to be moved by maybe thoughts that the enemy brought, brought to your head while you were asleep and trying to put fear. You ever wake up, and it's like you're afraid of something in, in your head? No, 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 no. The mercy and the grace of God are there waiting for us. And all, all they want us to do is to choose life. Just choose faith. Just choose God. Choose confidence. The fear will flee. See, choose the fact that, that to, to know, you know what, God loves me today, and it don't matter what those fear thoughts and all that stuff's trying to say to me. No, no, no. No, if God is for me, nobody and nothing can be against me. Having that confidence every day, but you have to practice it. If you don't practice it, I'm telling you, the fear thoughts take over and they rule. They rule. I know. Because there's been seasons of my life where I let fear thoughts, where, where, I, where I battled all day with fear thoughts battle and battle and battle and confess you know command the fear and feel like I was just laboring to get it when all along God's just saying just receive just receive from me it's all right you don't have to be afraid and there's a lot of situations you'll step into when fear's right there but the mercy and the grace of God were already there earlier in the day <laughs> see they, they, they have the beat on fear they're new every morning they're waiting for you hey ready your eyes open and just listen for the voice of mercy and grace. Old things are passed away. Everything's brand new. Now let's do this day. Let's accomplish everything that, that God has for us today. And that's what they're saying. That's what, he, he's not telling you all kinds of crap and junk and fearful thoughts and, oh, you need to be aware of this and, you, you know, you'd be concerned about the president and, you know, he's going to do. Now, come on. God doesn't, he doesn't talk about that kind of stuff. He talks about what Jesus did. He talks about what he created me to be. Oh, if you really listen to him, you know, he says things to me like, man, bro, I'm proud of you, bro. I'm proud of you, son. I am proud. You can do this. And things that are tough, those are the times we don't want to back off. We don't want to look for a time that's easier. When times are tough, that's what he, hey, just shut your mind down. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's the way God talks to me. Just shut your mind down. Don't give in to that thing. Don't give in to that thought. We can do this thing. I've already been there. I've already accomplished it for you. I've already won the battle for you. You can get through this. There's not anything that you and I can't face. Nothing. Hmm? Nothing. There's not anything that you can't do in Christ. And the cradle started this thing. And God says... If we allow him to be who he's supposed to be in our life, then nothing is finished in your life until he says. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> Glory to God. So, my 40th verse, 2 Corinthians 5, and we'll end with this. Gosh, I love this passage right here. I'm just going to read from verse 17 on. Therefore, if, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has, who has, say has. What does that mean? Has. Past tense already been done, right? Has. Who has, has, not when you feel like it, not when everything gets lined up. He has reconciled you to himself through Jesus Christ. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him in who he is, see, he, he, can't, be, he can't be the Lord of your life starting off. He has to become the Savior of your life. And once he becomes the savior of your life, then day to day, through the salvation of your mind, your will, and emotions, he becomes Lord. Because Lord means the one in control. And just because you got born again doesn't mean that he's in control of your life because you got between your ears to deal with. And that process is a soul salvation that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. And we need that. Agreed? 
You and I need that. You need to know that you need that because that's where your righteousness becomes established. The righteousness He already paid for. I am the righteousness of God in Christ and nothing's going to take that away. But whether I believe that or not depends on whether my mind is being renewed and my soul is being saved every day. Not my spirit. That's a one-time thing. But my soul being saved every day is the key to whether I walk in righteousness and I walk in a place where I'm embracing everything that He's done for me so I'm good for other people. And we have to have that. So I already have been reconciled. And that reconciliation process, I have to believe in it. And He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Right? Verse 19. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, You and I are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So that's the process. But this last verse is the key to the success of this whole thing. And it started, it started in the cradle. It started when Mary said, so be it according to your word. Let it be. Let let it happen according to the word of God through the angel. When she said that and she conceived is when the whole process started. And in that moment, his birth for death exchange was in operation. The great exchange. His life and his death For our redemption. <laughs> Seems like a pretty good deal to me. <clears throat> so verse 21 is the key. And I'm just going to say it. I'm going to read this and say this like this and I'm done. For he made him, God the Father made him, who knew no sin. to be sin for me. So he knew nothing. He never committed a sin. He never operated in any type of sin. And yet, for me, he became all of that for me. He became all of that for you. That we might become the righteousness of God. I like the amplified in this. I'm going to read it. For our sake, he made Christ virtually to be, to be sin. For, for our sake, he made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in and examples of the righteousness of God what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with Him by His goodness. Listen to me. That's who I am. As a result of what He chose, I'm part of God's goodness. I'm accepted by Him. I'm loved by Him. I'm part of the family of God. I'm his child. He'll do anything and everything. So what this passage is saying is this. If Jesus could become sin and never commit sin, then in my unrighteousness, I can become righteous. And the becoming part is the believing because spiritually you are righteous. But whether you believe that or embrace that or not is absolutely determined on whether you practice righteousness every day and you practice the renewing process in your life every day. And that is what the cradle started. And today, I wanted to begin this series with not overlooking 
the cradle or the manger and what the birth of Jesus Christ began. But just look at every stage along the way in these four weeks about what God has done for us and how he's liberated us and how he's empowered us to be here for people with some really good stuff. Amen? You know, I'll just say it like this. Everywhere I go, if I live my life free from being emotional and moved by my emotions, everywhere I go, everybody around me needs what I have. I'm not saying that people around me don't have what I have. But everywhere I go, people need what I have. And if you don't think that way, you'll never grow in it. See, when somebody compliments me because they see goodness in me, I used to say, well, you know. Now I can look at people eyeball to eyeball and say, thank you, God is good, and he's been good to me. And he's brought me revelation and understanding that I didn't know you could walk in. And I can look at people and I can accept that. And if somebody accuses you of thinking you're all that, well, if you're talking about me thinking that I'm all that without God, then you don't know me. Because I already proved what I couldn't do without Him. And the thought of living life without Him, gosh. I've, I mean, I don't, even have to th- I don't even have to think. I already know. <laughs> what, what do you go back to? What, what do you get in pride to? Failure? No, but I'm the righteousness of God and I know it. And it's producing for me. And gosh, man, if I made some mistakes, come on. I mean, we could just have a round table with my daughters and my wife and they can tell you all kinds of things I've done. But I am redeemed. Hey, I got it. I am redeemed. I'm I'm living. And that doesn't mean I don't take responsibility. If if I've hurt one of my daughters or I've done something, and I have, you know, I I was an idiot. I I, I mean, I I don't know why my wife married me, you know? I mean, I was a literal idiot. I didn't know how to be a father. I got married when I was 20 years old. I I didn't know anything about being a father. And four years later, I had the, we had this girl here. I birthed her, you know. And, uh, and I had this girl right here. And, I mean, I, mean I, made some, I made some stupid decisions as a guy. If I, could re, re, if I could rewind that and erase those things, my gosh, I'd get rid of that. I mean, in a second. But God's forgiven me, and she's forgiven me, and I have a relationship, and God empowers us to be able to correct those things. But I can't live there. I can't live there. I can't live like I'm a failure because of mistakes that I've made, and you can't live in those things. I mean, we can try to make people think that we're all that and dress and talk and talk. No, but all that really is what matters is my relationship with God. And there was times when I'd look at my daughter and know if mistakes, I'm not talking like I beat her or did some weird goofy thing to her. I'm just talking about just not being able to be there emotionally for her because I didn't have the goods. And there were times when I'd look at her and I'd be in regret and, and it wasn't until God said, you know what? You don't get rid of that thing and you won't be any good for anybody. So you have to learn how to repent. Hmm? You have to learn how to ask for forgiveness. Anybody in here, maybe enough people are gone you don't remember my Walmart story. Anybody? How many remember the Walmart bike story? Okay, see, there's only a few. Glory to Jesus. So, I'm with my mom and my wife and my daughters. And I think Amanda was probably, what, maybe eight? Yeah, something like that. So they were on down. 
And I think we were buying a bike for Laura. Yeah, right? I was buying Laura a bike at Walmart. So we go in, like, kind of a little bit late at night. You know, it was maybe 11 o'clock or something. And we're going we're gonna to look. At, and so I see this bike up on the rack here, and I, and I start to take it down. You know, I don't think they have bikes on the racks anymore, but I started pulling the bike down because I wanted to see, make sure that she was sitting on it. All of a sudden, this attendant comes by, Sir, don't touch that bike. I'm going to buy it. I'm sorry. You can't take it off the rack. Okay, well, can you take No. No, you look at it. If you want it, then we'll get it. Are you going to buy it for sure? I said, I don't know. I've got to make sure that it fits. No, sir, you cannot put those tires on the ground. I'm thinking to myself, I was here last week, and there's two kids riding one into the store to the other. What are you talking about? And I lost it. And there's my mother, my wife, and my four daughters watching me lose it. And I was so ugly to that woman, and she left to go get security. And I'm pastor of Gates of the City. And so I just said, let's just leave. So we all, well, I stomped out of there. They followed me, you know, in fear, you know, dad, you know, because dad's eyes get big when he acts like that. And so we walk out the outside and the Holy Spirit, you know, he'll talk to you this way because he's a person. And he just said to me something like, well, that was good. That was really good. Now... You're going to have to deal with that, and you're going to have to repent and all this, you know. And I mean, you know, over the next probably 45 minutes or an hour, I'm walking through the storerooms of Walmart trying to find this lady. She's probably, she's probably hid back there somewhere, you know, just thinking I was going to come after her or something. I just lost it. But I had to find that lady, and I had to bring her back out. I said, if, if, you, I said, if you'll just come stand out here with me. And I had to repent to this lady in front of my daughters and my wife and my mother. And I don't know about you, but I don't like having to repent like that. I want to I not do it first. But thank God for the repentance. And I tell you that story because you have to learn how to repent first. And you have to learn how to correct things before you get to a place where you get strong and you get established. And you don't allow things to overtake you like that. And we can come to that place because God said we could. You understand? And how awesome that it is to live forgiven. You see, what I said about my daughter, that doesn't mean I can just erase that myself where there's no consequences and I don't have to repent and I have to deal with that. And sometimes you can make mistakes with other people and sometimes they'll never forgive you. But you have to come to a place when you've done what God's told you to do. You have to come to a place where you live forgiven because you are redeemed. Amen? So we'll leave it at this and we'll pick it up next week in our second message on from the cradle to the grave. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much and so dearly and deeply. We're so grateful.